0: Hope. Hope is important to followers of God. Why? Why is hope important to followers of God? Because this world is not our home. Thank you very much. It is not where we find permanence. It is not where we receive our true reward. As the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. As we age, now that I am the ripe old age of 53, my birthday was actually on the day Peyton back there was baptized last Wednesday. So Peyton, we have something in common there, except yours is much better than mine. It becomes more and more evident that no one is destined to live and stay here in this world. And those who are aware of this truth, search for meaning in life. I mean, if you've ever talked to somebody who goes, well, what is the meaning? I've done everything. I, I've made a career. I've made lots of money. I, I have great family or, or this, that, the other. They come down with the disease or something like that or just get older. What is the meaning of life? So they search. But for those of us who understand, we know that true meaning comes with knowing God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Thank God that we have true hope through Jesus. And that's where it comes from. The lesson today is hope in a world that is not our home. Tyranny, living hope, and resurrection. So the first point is tyranny. In our world, tyranny is not really that hard to find. Uh, All you need to do is be on the wrong side, the wrong side of religion or the wrong side of family or the wrong side of politics, the wrong side of the debate, whatever the debate is. You know if you're on the wrong side, tyranny is not far behind. And even in the first century AD, being exiles could happen to anyone but especially those who turned their allegiance over to Christ. This was not a very Christian uh, uh, atmosphere in Rome. Rome, uh, Christianity was basically an undeclared religion. It didn't have the authority of Rome behind it. So in 1 Peter, Peter speaks to Christians who lived under Roman rule. He speaks to them as exiles, refugees, outcasts, expatriates. And this here is how he started his letter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. An exile in this case is more like an outcast, but an outcast of your own choosing. You chose to be an outcast. Whether you are a Christian who had grown up in Judaism and then became a Christian and converted to Christ, or a Gentile having grown up in Rome and, and being under the Roman and Greek gods and then converted to Christ, the result is the same. You are no longer of those people from your past. You are living for a different purpose, a different king, a different savior, and his name is Jesus The letter of Peter was written about around 60 A.D. And that time Rome considered Christianity an unapproved religion. Guess what? They were by state standards. They were unapproved. They were not allowed to exist legally in many ways. Though Christianity was not under a full-blown persecution, it was on the way. And there were a lot of persecutions going on against Christians even at this time. But in A.D. 112, listen to this letter, from the governor of Bithynia to the Roman emperor Trajan. He explained that he had been executing people who were self-professed Christians. This isn't that long after Peter was written, was it? Not long at all. Trajan's reply was approval. Good job, governor. You did a good job. But he instructed him to set free those Christians who changed their allegiance back to the Roman gods. Allegiance was a big part, and if you weren't totally allegiant to Rome or any other leadership that you came from, guess what? You were an outcast. And it was done by your own choosing. Living for Christ is the main reason we have hope. And this hope is why the world opposes us. Listen to Peter. You are exiles according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Rome, to the Jewish law, for obedience to Jesus and the sprinkling of his blood. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. There's a lot to unpack there, but the gist is who we are is because we changed our allegiance. We no longer serve the Roman master. We changed our allegiance. Caesar is not our Savior. We changed our allegiance to Christ. Now, should this make people scared of us? I don't think so. I mean, really, we're not bad people to choose Christ. In fact, Christ guides us in many ways that, oh, I wish this world would just follow. How to get along and how to pay your taxes and how to love each other. How, how, how to live for Christ. I mean, really? Really? That sounds scary. Well, evidently it does. We are scary because God the Father calls us His own. The Holy Spirit gives us purpose. Jesus is our true Lord and Savior, only Savior and only Lord. And the tyrants of this world, to them, Jesus is competition. Jesus is competition. And they don't like it. Second point, to a living hope. I would be surprised if in your life you never said, I want a do over. Anybody here ever said that? I want to do-over. Yeah, we did that as kids especially. Hey, that's not how I intended to play that hand. Cooper does that to me all the time when we play games. Oh, I didn't mean that. No, I'm kidding, Cooper. I'm kidding. I had to play that up because he's beating me now. But uh, I'm the one who starts saying I want to do-over when we play our games because he agrees. Look at that. Because, hey, we want another chance. We want another opportunity. That's now how I wanted to play that hand. As adults, if you've ever played golf, I think they call that what? A mulligan? Yeah, or something like that. I, uh, so we all know what we mean. I wish I could do things again, but with the knowledge I have now. You ever thought that? Oh, if I can go back to high school. With the knowledge I have now, or back to a young adult, with the knowledge I have now and do it all again, I would, make, would not make those mistakes. I would make better choices. We're looking for that grass is greener on the other side of the fence concept. Most likely you just make different mistakes and different choices. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. So we can be born again. And guess what? We're getting a do-over. Not in the sense of our physical life. We don't go back to being physically babies. We've made some sins. And now we get a do-over when we're in Christ, born again to a living hope that says, those things are forgiven. Let's move on. Let's move on. So we can be born again and get a do-over. And this only comes through Christ. This only comes through Christ. Not physically, But spiritually, Peyton was immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of sins last Wednesday. Guess what? He's probably still feeling some pain in his life from his physical things, but spiritually, wow! He's got a do-over. And it's permanent as long as he stays in Christ. It's permanent, my friend. Permanent. Living before Christ caused us to be born again. For this new birth can only happen spiritually, and only by the power of Jesus Christ. We are not living spiritually. That is, we were not living spiritually beforehand, meaning we were dead spiritually. If we're not in Christ, we're dead. We were lost. We were not saved, but in Christ, we are now saved. We are now saved. We have knowledge of our past. Each and every one of us here does. So if you ever feel alone there, guess what? You're not. Share, and we'll share with you and each other. We know or are learning how to live in a holy way before a holy God. Living is not just being born again through Christ, but is also this. This comes right out of 1 Peter. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And that comes out of Leviticus chapter 19. Jesus said it well when he was talking to those who chose this world as their home. He let them know that God is a living God. And it is in this living God that we have living hope. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? Jesus is talking to the Sadducees. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Jesus says, He is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Of the living So in God, through Christ, those who have been born again have a living hope. We can count on it. It's secure. It's foundational. It is something that should carry us through any difficulties that we have in this life. Should it not? Oh, the government's after me. But don't worry, Jesus is there and he's going to take me home. Oh, the people of this other religion are after me. But don't worry. Jesus Christ died for you. What a comfort that is for those who are classified by the Apostle Peter as outcasts. (coughs) You're an outcast from this world. You are exiles. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. So don't be surprised that this world's tyrants don't understand this. They have no hope without Christ. We, regardless of life situations, do. Jesus is the only source for us to have a living hope. Did I say that yet? Jesus is the only source for anybody to have a living hope. And it is through his resurrection from the dead that our hope exists. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It started because God wants to save the lost. He knew mankind would sin. He knew it. And only through his plan can mankind be saved. So Jesus, who is God, was born and lived as a human being. He brought his message, and part of the message is our need for sacrifice to cover our sins. And he did it with his own life. But his role did not end with his death, did it? He was resurrected from the dead. And because of that truth, we have hope that we are spiritually going to be resurrected as well. Have you ever thought about your inheritance? You know, we might feel guilty about thinking about what inheritance we might get from a parent who passes away or a grandparent. You know, we don't want them to die. Uh, and, and, but we go, they did pretty good. I bet that's going to be passed to me. I, it's a human condition. But in this case, it's not bad at all to think about it. Jesus died. He's left us an inheritance through him. And boy, I'm going to dwell on that inheritance. Because he freely has given it to me. I don't have to feel guilty about it and worried that he's going to be lost because he's not going to be lost. He's resurrected and he's ascended. But I have an inheritance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. I tell you what, the greatest bank vault there is is the one that God has. No one's going to take it from us. It's there waiting. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for his salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, First Peter chapter one, three, through five. So I look at the confines of this world. Temporary aging process. You know, I was running around the bases playing softball. Troy got me in. Uh, Thank you, Troy. And uh, in my mind, I can hit that ball and it goes, I'm already at home plate. You know, living in my 20s maybe. I'm already at home plate. I've already made it. But I get to first base, and then they see me try to slide into second and go, John, are you okay? What do you mean? I'm fine. (laughs) I'm getting older. I'm getting older. But my mind says, hey, I want to play. This world's not my home. This world's not my home. And I don't like that realization every time I get a swift kick of it. A fading hope. And I'm like, I don't want this world to be my home. I said that when my first wife passed away, and I think I'm going to say the same thing if I don't depart before Crystal eventually does. That's painful. Ouch. I think Lee said in Bible class this morning when his dad passed his jaw or his chin was riding on the ground for a whole year or summer because he didn't have his dad to talk to and get instruction from. This world hurts. So I sing, this world is not my home. I'm just the passing through. It's temporary. And one of the big things that Peter wants us to learn after he lets us know all these great things he comes into the concept of trials because he realizes that although we have all this to look forward to, we're still living here and we need to hold firm. We need to be strong. In this you rejoice, referring back to salvation through Jesus Christ, that now for a little while, if necessary, not absolute, not absolute, You have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuice of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. Jesus had trials, did he not? I mean, his poor family had to depart to Egypt right off the bat because of Herod, who killed little babies or children at that time. He was pushed, that is Jesus, by those who didn't understand the truth. They just didn't understand the idea of God and God's ways. He was killed by those who considered this world their hope and home. But his allegiance to God the Father remained steadfast, did it not? Remained steadfast. Ah, this is temporary. Although it feels like a long time. I bet he thought that. I don't know. We have and will have trials. We are pushed by those who don't understand the truth do you guys gather on Sunday? Why is that important to you? What's going on with this Lord's Supper? You know, actually, in the first century, under one of the Roman Caesars, the Lord's Supper was one of the big reasons of how they declared why Christians should be punished. Because they said that Christians falsely said, are cannibals taking the actual blood and body of somebody and they called them cannibals false 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 never was but that's what the world was utilizing as a reason to punish certain christians during the early times We're not a scary people. We're not a scary people, but this world, the tyranny, trials. We may be persecuted or killed by those whose hope is in this world, but let us remain faithful to the one who offers us living hope. Through Jesus Christ. As we conclude, I can offer many things to people who want to listen. I offer it in the form of advice, in the form of ideas, but there is no greater advice than to turn to the one who offers a living hope. I was looking at these guys and the gals that are growing up as I've been here over the years, and I'd like to say, Man, did I do a good job? But you know what? They're transforming by the message of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can really grow and have this living hope. And they are being given the opportunities to do that as we all are. Jesus is growing people. If you let them, this world is not our home, but we do have hope. Hope, in a word, hope in a world that is not our home, tyranny. The first point comes from those who live in a world that does not accept Christ. We are outcasts. We have another allegiance, and it's greater living hope. Those who choose to follow Christ by being born again, now have a living hope. And resurrection. Jesus faced trials. Died and rose from the dead. We will also face trials. We will also die. And guess what? Through Jesus, we will be resurrected to our inheritance that is unfading and unfailing and imperishable. I tell you what, if I can say this with all Dear honesty from my heart, the lesson is yours. Take it with you and live it. If there's anybody here who has any needs this morning, any prayer requests that we can offer as a body, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. I am resolved to.